Our scripture text tonight is going to be found in a very familiar text. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, most of you all know me, so you know that I am full-blown Pentecost. I have, was born and raised in a Pentecost church, and I am not ashamed to say that I am Pentecostal. And this church is a Pentecost church, and we are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus. And we declare we're Pentecost. Okay. But many churches today, they question whether or not the baptism of the Holy Ghost is even relevant or necessary. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is, always has been, and always will be the empowerment and the driving force for evangelism. Jesus made it clear to his disciples the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts 1 and 8 when he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is to give the church power to be witnesses for Christ and to fulfill the great commission found in Matthew 28 when Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." It was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the New Testament Pentecost church was birthed and a revival spread like wildfire. 120 men, 120 disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost, and as a result, before the end of the day, 3,000 souls were saved. God has provided the baptism of the Holy Ghost for a purpose. It's not just for our enjoyment, even though I enjoy being in the presence and in the spirit of the Holy Ghost. It's provided for ministry purposes. Peter said in Acts 10 and 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, with, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. If God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost, then I think you and I need, to need it also to be effective witnesses for the kingdom of heaven. Well, who is the Holy Spirit? He's a real person. He's omnipotent. He has all power. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing, and he understands all things. He's eternal. He's lasting forever. He has no beginning, and he has no end. He breaks chains, and he heals the brokenhearted all at the same time. The person of the Holy Spirit is composed of intellect, passion, and will. He has emotions, and he can be grieved. He has personality. He's God. He's known as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of the Lord, the Comforter, and the Helper, just to name a few. He's the third person of the Godhead, one of the three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. 
He's equal in every way to God the Father and God the Son. And we know that God is three in one. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with Christ. Therefore, if I'm filled with the Spirit, then I'm abiding with Christ. All the attributes given to the Father and the Son are also given to the Holy Spirit. And although he has all the characteristics of God, he has specific roles and specific functions in our lives. Jesus came to reveal the Father, and the Holy Spirit came to reveal Jesus. Jesus came to glorify the Father, and the Holy Ghost came to glorify Jesus. He gives us courage to rebuke sin. The Holy Ghost enables us to speak with authority. He teaches us. He empowers us for service. He convicts the sinner, and he sanctifies the saint. He justifies us, and he cleanses us. He teaches us to pray. He impresses things upon us that we would not know ourselves. He leads us to pray for others. He gives us the spirit of discernment. He, he enables us to step out on faith. He reveals things. He reveals the mysteries of the gospel. He reveals secrets. We'll leave that right there. He enables us to speak about the goodness of God. He's an indwelling presence that longs to abide in us. He wants each of us so that he can transform us into the image of God. It's said that the average Christian and the average church are stuck somewhere between Calvary and Pentecost. They've been to Calvary for the pardon of sin, but they've not yet been to Pentecost for power. Too often, we pull ourselves up to the table and we get fat on the blessings of God and we stop right there and we say, well, that's all for now. I don't need any more. But the Lord says, I have more for you. I have more for you. Press in and seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a divine personality. He desires to be in you. He desires to indwell inside of you. He's not a fairy tale presence who just wants to hover over us. He's a powerful personality who longs to be in us. God wants the spirit in you so he can flow out of you. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The reason a stream stays fresh is because it puts out what it takes in. Some Christians have lost their joy because we're continually taking in, but we never give out of our experiences and out of our encounters with God. And God says, I can't fill you up until you begin to pour out. That's why God said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. This experience can't remain fresh if it's never allowed to flow out. God wants his people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants there to be an outflowing from us that'll testify of him to the world. He longs for you and I to be vessels that he can fill so he can then pour out to a lost and a dying world. God's not willing to share us with the world. He's not willing to share us with the world. He's a jealous God, and he longs for you. He longs to have all of you, not just part of you. We're either all in or we're either all out. We can't be both. It's, we are not our own, but we are bought with a price. And God has called us to holiness. He's called us to holy living. And I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about righteousness. 
Hebrew tells us that we are to follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. God has called us to be a holy people. He's called us to be a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, and a holy nation, his own special people that we may proclaim the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the demand of God for the church today. John 14, 16 and 17 says, And I will pray my Father, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Jesus was saying that the Father would send another comforter of exactly the same sort as Jesus had been. All that Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit is to us today. He's our helper. He brings us comfort. He brings us joy, peace, gentleness. The comforter heals and binds up our wounds. He leads us and guides us into all truth. He brings things back to our remembrance. He gives us authority over the adversary. He sets us apart, stamping us as the property of God. I want to be stamped as the property of God. I don't want to be known as anything else. I'm known for a lot of things. I'm called by a lot of names, but I want to be known as the property of God. He's our companion, and he abides with us. He's come to help us in our times of weaknesses, and he makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He helps us to resist temptation. He prays over us. He's my battle partner. He helps me in battle. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He helps me fight my battles. I'm not on this journey alone, but he is an abiding comforter, and he is abiding with me. He's going before me, and he's behind me. He has sealed me up. He is all around me, and he protects me. It's his presence in us that gives us the stability and the agility to press on through every battle. <clears throat> Our scripture text compares the Holy Spirit to two elements. The first being a rushing mighty wind. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which means wind or breath. Verse 2 says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. We associate wind with movement and activity. The wind, like the Spirit of God, is, seen, is unseen, but it's very active. Oftentimes, a strong wind precedes a storm or a heavy rain. And John 3, 8 tells us the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Listen, you can't contain the Spirit of God. You can't control him. You can't put him in a box. You can't minimize him down to our little finite minds and our little finite ideas. He's a great big God, and we cannot put him in a box and control him. He chooses where he goes. He chooses what he does. He's a mighty force that has the power to raise up and the power to tear down. You can go weeks without food and days without water. You can go a lifetime without sight and sound, but you can only go a few minutes without air. Job said, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of 
the Almighty gives me life. In Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones, God asked one of my favorite scriptures, Son of man, can these bones live? And it goes on to say, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. God began to breathe and the bones were resurrected into an army. Ezekiel said, So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them and they lived. And they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. We need the breath of God to breathe upon us again so that we can rise up in these last days and be the army of God that he has commissioned this church to be. I don't care how dead your situation looks. I don't care how dead your marriage looks. I don't care what your relationships look like. I don't care how dead your finances look. When the Spirit of God breathes on it, He breathes life into your situations. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need the breath of God to breathe upon us, to equip us, so that we can be the church of the last days to go out and to win the lost for the kingdom of heaven's sake. It should be all of our prayer. God, breathe on us again. The second element that Scripture compares the Holy Spirit to is fire. John said in Matthew chapter 3, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. It was the experience in the upper room on the day of Pentecost that brought the fire to the church. It wasn't the preaching and it wasn't the crowds. It, we have both of those all over the world in churches today. But it's the fire of the Holy Ghost that fell upon 120 believers in the upper room that ignited revival. I'm praying for an explosion to take place amongst us and in our midst. This was not just a regular fire. This was a distinctive fire. This fire wasn't an earthly fire, but it was sent from heaven and it set them apart from everywhere else. You know, I've seen the fire at nighttime, and when the fire is, you can see it light up the sky. It can be clear across town, but you can see the fire. It's the fire that's going to draw attention to the Lord. It's not going to draw attention to us because it's not supposed to. It's going to draw attention to the Lord. People are going to want to know what's going on over there. i got to go find out. We need to pray down the fire from heaven for us again. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost... People are going to notice. They're going to pay attention. They're going to notice because your talk is going to change. Your walk is going to change. And what I mean by that is you're going to stop going to some of the places that you don't need to be going. When you're sitting at home flipping the channels on the TV and you, you skip over a show that you normally watch and your spouse is sitting there and they recognize, hey, wait a minute, we're not watching that anymore. The Holy Ghost will change your choices, your behavior, your outlook on life. It's the fire that carries power. It's the fire that carries victory. It's the fire that brings deliverance. It's the fire that cleanses us and purges us. It gets rid of all that chaff. 
It purifies us. It's the spirit that purifies the hearts and the souls of man. The word says that we are the vessels of the Lord, that we are the vessels of the Holy Ghost. And it's time for us to clean house. Listen, we got to make room for the Holy Spirit. We got to make room for the gift. I know this because the Lord said it to me. He said, you got to make room for the gift. I said, God, what do you mean? He said, you need to turn the TV off. You need to go close yourself up in your bedroom. You need to get busy in the word and you need to learn to listen and get to know me. We got to make room for the power of the Holy Ghost. We got to make room for the gift so that he can reside in us so that he can flow out of us. He's an all-consuming fire. Whatever fire touches is consumed by the fire. And we need to get into the presence of the Lord and we need to stay there until we come out smelling like smoke. The prayer of the church today should be, God, burn in me. Burn in me until there's nothing left but you. I believe that we are at a pivotal time in our, our walk with the Lord in this church. I believe that God is separating the wheat from the chaff. And I believe he's drawing a fine line and he's saying, who are you going to serve? We've either got to get real busy or move on. He wants to invade you. When the Holy Spirit invades you, you're no longer your own, but you're his. And it's not a matter of God giving you the Holy Spirit, but it's about you receiving what he has already given. We are to pray to receive the gift that God has already given to the believer. The word tells us that we have not because we ask not. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him it is open. Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's pretty simple. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost isn't a one-time experience. It's a lifestyle. The initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost is the speaking in tongues. But we don't stop there. We get filled day after day after day. We receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we, we surrender our whole selves to him. And when we say, God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care that there's a visitor sitting next to me. All I know is that I got to have more of you. All I know is that I can't get up and go to work tomorrow and face the things that I face if I don't have more of you. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. All I know is, God, I need you. Hallelujah. Why should we be intimidated by the enemy when seeking the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit? When Jesus said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He has not come to hurt you. He is a comforter. He is a helper. The, that power that Jesus is talking about and that authority is given to us by the Holy Spirit. John 14 and 12 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit and he's telling us that we're going to do greater works than he did, then we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come that we may be of service to the Lord. I'm convinced more now than ever before that God wants to bring his glory back to the church. 
Zechariah 2 and 5 says, For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. And he was referring to Jerusalem when he was talking about that. And the scripture reveals to us that the glory of God had been present, but it also implies that it had departed. And then Joel Another prophet prophesied about the return of the glory of God when he said, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The glory of God did return back to Jerusalem in the book of Acts through the power of Pentecost. This glory is so great that the angels marvel at it. It confounds the wise. It intoxicates those who partake of it. Yet it's simple enough that you and I can receive it. Young and old can receive it. God wants to do a work in us that can't be denied. God wants to do a work in us that can't be explained by the world. He wants to do a work that exalts his name and his name alone. A work that reveals Jesus, the person of Jesus. A work that in you and I that gives us the boldness and the power to testify of the goodness of God and what Jesus has done in us. He wants a church made up of people who have received the fullness of the Spirit. The command of God is just as binding today as it was as when it was written by the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago when he said, be filled with the Spirit. The 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost were well aware of the prophecy that was spoken of in Joel. They were obedient to the Lord. The Lord had been with them and the Lord had told them to tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise and that's what they did they waited they they got together in unity they tarried they were in one mind and in one accord they were in the right place in the right with the right purpose and the right attitude they recognized the promise and they received it when it when it came the wind filled the house. Cloven tongues of fire sat upon each of them. All 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit. All 120 people spoke in tongues. Peter explained that what they were seeing was a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And the people asked, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Some of us need to go back to Calvary before we can go to Pentecost and repent over some myself bad attitudes some bad habits there's some things that we got to leave at the altar the holy spirit's not going to come into an unclean vessel we've got to cleanse ask for repentance so that the holy spirit can come in and be an indwelling force within us afterwards 3000 people were saved before the day was over that's incredible to me that is a powerful, mighty God. You cannot explain that away. There's no other way that that happened other than the power of the Holy Spirit, other than the anointing of God. And that's the power that we need. Revival was set in motion, and from that moment on, people have been added to the church daily. Just like the 120 in the upper room that day, we have to be in one mind and in one accord with the right purpose and the right attitudes. And I know 
You all have heard me say it many times, but I believe in the prophecies of God. I believe that when an anointed word is given, we need to listen and we need to obey and we need to hold on to that word and we need to believe it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how bad circumstances look. I don't care how long time has passed before it comes. We've got to hold on to that word. And just like Joel prophesied it many years ago, the promise came. Well, we've had prophecies too. And we got to hold on to that word, and we've got to make preparations for that word. And to do that, we got to have the Spirit of God in us. And I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, because it's the evidence. The tongues is the evidence. We don't seek the tongues. We seek the Spirit of God, okay? Hallelujah. We got to tarry just like they did in the upper room. We've got to grab a hold of the horns of the altar, and we've got to hold on and not let go. We've got to be determined and say, I'm going to wait on the Lord until I see this thing come to pass. And I'm going to do everything that I can do, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We do what we know to do, and we stand. It's imperative that we be spirit-filled believers in these last days so that we can be equipped with the power of God, so that we can be used in operating in the spirit, in the gifts that God gives us. We have to be prepared for the harvest. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do what God has called us to do. And there is a specific call upon this church. God has promised us power to accomplish the things he's called us to do. We are walking in the manifestation season. The gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for all believers. It is for you, and it is for your sons, and it is for your daughters, and it is for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and for generations to come. It's for everyone whom the Lord calls. It's the will of God for every believer in Christ to be spirit-filled. We're in the harvest season. It doesn't take a lot to know that. If you have any discernment whatsoever, you know that we're in the harvest season. The fields are white with harvest, and I believe that we're in the season of reaping. We have to make preparations for the harvest, and we can't do it without being a spirit-filled church. Can you just imagine what it was like that day in the upper room with 120 praying? I believe that's what God wants to do with us. And I know this is short, but this is the word that the Lord gave me. So if the musicians want to come, you can come on up. It's about winning the lost. It's about the harvest. It's about winning souls. It's about being empowered by the Lord. It's about having the Holy Spirit in us to do what God has asked us to do, to do what he requires of us. It's about being effective witnesses to others. And you might say, I don't know how to do that. You just seek the Lord. You just seek the Lord. You just worship the Lord. You just fall before the Lord and you get lost in his presence. And you just yield your whole self to the Lord, withholding nothing, saying, God, here I am. Strip me of anything that is not pleasing to you. Rid me of anything, God, that will keep me, Lord, from being where you want me to go. It's about asking God to cleanse us and to purge us. And it's just about setting our affections upon him and saying, Lord, I worship you. I need you I exalt you I extol you Lord there is none like you and I gotta have you I need you Lord I can't do this on my own I need the boldness of the Holy Spirit we just yield ourselves to the Lord 
It's by faith that you receive. It is by faith that you receive. God has given each of us a measure of faith. It is by faith that you receive. And I'm going to tell you right now that I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind at the palace tonight. And I'm believing that God's going to fill some people that have never been filled. I'm believing that God's going to refill some people that have been filled and need a fresh touch from God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. So would you stand with me, please? The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. The Lord has ordained us here tonight. I'm going to tell you something. The Word of God is powerful. And there's anything that I could have preached in that Word tonight. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I feel very vulnerable telling you this. But when the Lord led me to preach on this, I said, God, you give me anything else to preach, and I'll preach it. But he said, no, this is what the church needs. This is what the body needs. He said, what do you got to lose? And I said, nothing but opinions. And he said, all right, then, I guess you're going to preach it. And I said, yeah. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, and you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to ask you to come over here. Right now. I know there's people here because God would not have had me to preach that word. He has a purpose and he has a plan. If you have been filled with the Holy Ghost and you want a fresh touch, you want a refilling of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to ask you to come over here. And we're going to have people pray with you tonight. And I'm believing that God is going to do a work in you. I'm believing that God's going to pour his spirit out upon you because he's faithful to his word. It's his desire that you be filled here tonight. It's not about me. It's about the power of God. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about him. It's about being witnesses for him. He's going to get the glory from it. No one else. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Would the prayer warriors come? If you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then it's time to pour out. It's time to pour out. And let's lift up these people that need a touch from God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus.